This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 87 for Sunday 31st of March 2019. I'm Jeremy Sear, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to our country, what's about to happen to it, and hopefully what we can do about it. This week's guest host is returning guest host, Denise Pirko. Welcome back, Denise. Hello. All right. Now, um, this is going to be hopefully a short episode because we are, there are various personal things that are making recording a podcast this week quite complicated, um, namely um, family court on Wednesday and Thursday. And my, uh, hopefully none of you listening to this will have dealt with the family court in a personal uh, capacity. I uh, strongly recommend against having to deal with that sort of situation. Uh, but in any case, if you have, you will appreciate how um, it makes recording podcasts a few days earlier uh, somewhat complicated. As well, on top of that, the infant child and the almost two-year-old and all of those other things that yes, can well, make sitting down and recording this difficult. Yes. Now, we have got some guests to uh, do the, hopefully the next episode being a uh, multiple person episode. And we're trying, going to try out the new technology of doing uh, a more than two person podcast, which will hopefully be uh, next weekend or early the following week if we can. Um, but Obviously, there are some slightly slight complications that might slightly delay the next episode, but we will be doing everything in our power to get one out to you ASAP. So in the meantime, we thought we'd do a short episode dealing with the One Nation and then conservative media and the, and the Liberal Party trying desperately to try and draw some sort of false equivalence between One Nation and the Greens bullshit story from this week. And why does it matter? Well, it matters because One Nation is trying to do genuine harm to the country with bringing in US-style gun laws. Uh, and why does it matter? Because, to my mind, well, the reaction to the Greens uh, by the conservative media as pretty much the only party out there trying to actually make a difference mm. about the corporate world, Yeah, uh, it's kind of like they are the opposition party and the way that the corporate media this week have tried so hard to squash them. That really is important, um, and we should have a chat about it, I think. Probably. All right, well, let, let's start off with... So how did this whole One Nation thing happen? So... Obviously, Fraser Anning and the the way that they reacted to uh, the massacre in Christchurch that was appalling. Yeah, should have been a line, wasn't. Uh, Mark Latham coming out and declaring that they need they want a DNA test uh, any benefits received by Indigenous people or in fact any which is even a DNA test that doesn't even exist. Like they can't even do like even if it weren't such a bullshit idea, that DNA test doesn't exist. It can't be done. No, it, first of all, this is not a population to test against. Yes, to, to, to get a comprehensive. The data isn't there. No, because uh, of you know the genocide and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even if it did exist, it would be ludicrously expensive. I mean, that wouldn't be and a... ludicrously racist. Yeah, sorry, it's a given that it is a, a staggeringly racist idea. But 
Um, it's also mad, but it does fit in with the conservative policy of we will spend... There is no limit to how much money we will spend to make sure that the people we don't like don't get money. We will it's spend like, much more money than we would have paid to them to stop them getting it. It's like drug testing people who receive any sort of benefit. Um, they've shown that that's a policy that doesn't work, that it's punitive. It is completely um, punitive against people who are poor. Um, but it and, costs more to but administer, it costs more than, to administer than, 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 than any sort of benefit. Yep. Cash as welfare cards. Australia's biggest national shame, the brutal way that we treat refugees, is justified because fundamentally people don't uh, are opposed to the idea of them coming here and receiving New Start. Oh, and we spend so many millions of times more than we ever would if every single one of them came here and sat on New Start, which would never happen. Because, For their lives. Yeah. Like, it's insane. But again, as a country, we're more than happy to spend a fortune. I mean, parents next. Mm. Um which Labour is not even going to... Anyway, we'll, we'll hopefully have a more of a discussion with, with some more knowledgeable people about parents next next week. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the news that Labour isn't even going to get rid of it, they're just going to tinker so with awful. it. That is so awful. Oh, they're going to keep it, but they're just they're going to streamline it and make sure it works better. Yeah. So the Greens are also not going to get rid of it full stop. They're just going to stop it being a compulsory thing. I've got no problem with parents next as an idea of a service the government provides to assist parents. Should what they I'm want to do with, it. Yeah. What I have a problem with is them making it compulsory, by which they mean cutting off people's necessary payments <sighs> if they don't jump through these stupid hoops. You have like the library associations in Australia being like, stop harassing us with wanting proof of who's attending out. This is not what we're there for. We're there to provide a service, not help you keep tabs on people that you, in an attempt to cut them off. That's yeah. not our job as librarians. Why are we being forced to do this? Like, if it's a positive service, you wouldn't need to make it compulsory. But... The idea that, that if parents don't jump through hoops, you will cut them off. How does that help their kids? Well, I had a few friends who are librarians who said that they are very uncomfortable with that. And the idea that they'd have to adopt someone in if they had been there and they hadn't been there. They said they'd probably just say, oh, yeah, no, of course they were there. Um, but that a lot of the time they'd answer that they have no way of knowing. And, and is the government giving libraries any more funding to deal with this influx of bullshit yeah. um, compliance crap? No, they're just like they shoving need... this on already overstretched library services. I've gone to uh, the rhyme time and things like at our local library and there's like 50 people there with kids. Yeah, their job is not keep jumping through hoops for the government compliance Centrelink. Um, but again... We've we've already lunged off because this is such a, a mad topic, but it's it, you know a fundamental conservative idea that we will do anything to punish the poor because we hate them so much. In mm. fact, while we're on tangents, um, did you've seen their 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 election bribe that they're going to announce this week of the was seventy five dollars for singles and one hundred twenty five for couples eligible couples uh, payout base if to help with cost of living pressures. Not going to people on New Start, no. people who are already like staggeringly below the poverty line. For some reason, their cost of living doesn't count because we hate the New Start people, the and, unemployed. Uh, we hate them. We want to grind them into the earth. Apparently, for no good reason. And one hundred twenty-five dollars is not a lot of money. No, it's nothing. It's it's, a, it's such a like it's less than a politician's meal allowance in camera. Like it's mm. it's nonsense. The idea that, that 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 makes up for all of the other like this late conversion to oh yeah, cost of living is a problem. Can't stuff. Anyway, the budget's on Wednesday. There'll be more to cover when we see... Oh, there the way, certainly will. When, ...when they try to buy their way out of the hole they're in. Back to One Nation. So, Mark Latham's... How did we get onto that? We got that because of their stupid idea of uh, race DNA testing for those benefits because don't care how much it costs, just as long as it's picking on the people that... Like, this is how you can tell whether a policy is designed to help the group that is affected. Uh, are the people who, are, who hate that group, who are most critical of that group and most scathing of that group, are they in favour of this policy or not? In this case, hmm... 
Is Pauline Hanson's One Nation a yeah. pro-Indigenous person party or one that really has a reputation and a history mm. of doing everything in their power to hurt, hurt them? And yet they're proposing this policy. Hmm. My yeah. faith is like, hmm, this is to help the genuine Aboriginal people. Is it though? Yes. No, it's not. The other way of testing it is the sort of the inverse of that. What does the group it affects think of it? Has it been proposed by the group it affects? Yeah. Was it vetted by the group it affects? Does the group it affects have any buy-in into the suggestion and the structure of that thing, especially with Indigenous people in this country where we've so disenfranchised them and taken away all the power? Their involvement with any policy involving them is so, so massively important. In fact, it should be driven by them. And it's not. Oh, just before we leave this brain fart, which of course is not the reason why the Libras have been under pressure to not preference One Nation. Like no. all this, the point of all this is that this is all gone completely. You know, it's just bypassed and it's fine. They're like they've got no problem with that stuff in One Nation. But the other, the other part of uh, Latham's idiotic idea, <laughs> well done, New South Wales, putting him back in the bloody oh. in, in your upper house. Anyway, <laughs> New South Wales, you know what you've done. I can barely look at you right now. I know. Anyway, um, we're very disappointed in you, New South Wales, and I used to be one of you. The other. The other one was, yeah, it was a brief period in your life where you tried something new, something, you know, a bit risque, a bit dangerous, something that, you know, morally dubious. You decided to, to, you know, for a number of years of your life, you tried to be a citizen of New South Wales, but you thought better of it and moved to Victoria. Yeah, living in a, in a safe Greens and safe Liberal, uh, safe Greens and safe Labour seat because um, it's... Well, you Gen- went a monster. Oh, <laughs> it's Jenny Leong in the uh, state parliament and it's Anthony Albanese in federal. So, yeah. Anyway, we were almost at 10 minutes and we haven't left this tangent before we get onto the One Nation preferencing issue. But Yeah. Us on a tangent? Uh, Mark Latham's idea is that that the benefits would be cut off uh, for people if they were less than 25% Aboriginal. Mm. Right. So that means that, like, each generation, unless you, you know, abide by some kind of racial purity in your partnering, like, you're... By definition, that like, is he trying to just wipe out all Indigenous people that are uh, all these Indigenous services entirely? Because like each generation, you're dividing by two. Unless I like, anyway. Anyway. So one, none of this stuff bothered uh, the Liberal Party. However, this week there have been two things that have happened to One Nation. One is that they've been caught out dealing with trying to deal with the NRA. But again, that still wasn't enough for the Libs. Was it the NRA or the NRMA? Let's just ask Pauline. I have never sought donations or political guidance. From the NRMA. Oh, you said NRMA. Look, she has taken political guidance from the RACQ, but the N- <laughs> she's got a firm... Rack V might be up there. Yeah. No, no. She, well, look, she, no, to be fair, she, she does finish off and correct herself because she realises what an idiot thing she just said. It's just funny. She does correct it. Yes. Before, like, she realises just as she's saying NRMA. So we are mocking her for a thing that her brain did catch up with seconds later. However, it's Pauline Hanson who is a force of evil and... The problem is, though, that when you, mock her for, when you mock her for dumb things, though, it actually ties her stupid supporters in with her a bit. They they feel sorry for her, and they it actually, I Do think they? it helps her electorally. In the same way as the whole, you know, fuddy-duddy uncle thing, you know, dorky old dad thing worked for Howard, because where he, like Hanson, is actually a really dangerous right-wing mm. um, figure who does, who whose policies are scary and dangerous and harm people, by making him seem a bit silly he seemed less threatening so yeah. we probably shouldn't be mocking pauline in the way in that way because it does help her with her base but i mean cl- clearly her base have seen her make an idiot of herself and they don't care yeah well that's true too which is why it probably won't hurt her with a base with the port Arthur conspiracy nonsense oh i don't even understand how she came to this why would she do that huh well you know mr dixon it's the robots 
the ones from the future. Oh, and I, I do, because you got it from a book. This, by the way, just people keeping score with this ridiculous conversation about One Nation, uh, a party that potentially holds the balance of power and for one, some reason is constantly being promoted by the commercial media. Like, yeah. this, there is a reason why their vote grows and the Greens doesn't, and it's not because they're better at, at speaking to people. It's because they're constantly put up on commercial media and the Greens are generally suppressed and ignored. Yes, and which absolutely. Is, we'll get to what's been happening with the Greens this week and I actually, well, I actually think it's actually a positive for them because the biggest problem they face is they don't ever get any attention. They can announce everything they like and they get ignored. And that's they just, It's like there's an agreement to not let them speak. Anyway, Pauline got her ideas about Port Arthur from a book. A very important book. A blue book. So why did you say in this video shot last year, those shots, they were precision shots. Check the number out. Uh, I've read a lot and I have read the book on it, Port Arthur. A lot of questions there. What questions? That's right. OK. At the time, when the election was held in March and then we were sworn in in the April, the, the massacre happened in the May. The whole fact is that people were angry about their heirlooms, their guns, their antique guns being taken off them. People were telling me different stories and, and had their own conspiracy theories about it. And actually, I had the book sent to me. It was years later that, that I actually read the book and I thought, well, I want to know about Port Arthur, so I read the book. The precision shots and about the MP was actually in the book. Let me put this to you. James actually rang and told you about a fifth person that was at that dinner. No, uh, can I just stay on the precision shots for that? Note. Pauline? Yeah, okay. Precision shots, there were no precision shots. Martin Bryant walked well, up to people lying there and shot him in the head. That's not a precision shot. I saw some pictures of him also, Andrew, that he was standing. Um, standing, I, it's only what I saw and what I remember at the time, and there was a couple of photos in the book of him holding the gun. He wasn't up close to all these people. The book you read sounds read to me book, like Andrew. the... Yeah, the book I, I take it you're referring to is the Port Arthur Massacre Conspiracy by Joe Viles, or however you pronounce his name, who indeed talks I, about precision shots. Yeah. That's yeah. the one? I can't... Um, it, it was a blue... It was a blue book... Now, this it was book... a blue book. It wasn't real thick. A thin blue book. I bet if I go into any library out there and just say to the librarian, could I have a thin blue book? It might be about Port Arthur and precision oh, shots. Have you seen pictures of the actual book? No. Like, it's it's basically like a self-published... It's, it's a miracle that it doesn't actually have, like, the, the, the ring binder on the Oh, on wow. Um, it's, but it's not, like, properly... It, it's a fringe thing that somebody's obviously self-published. Hmm. Um... But even things that do get published by mainstream publishing houses can be full of crackpot ideas and conspiracy theories. Okay, look, that whole bit there, well, she doesn't have the faintest idea what she's talking about. She's like, oh, I, if I remember it, and like, it's, I'm just saying what I saw in the book or something like that. I saw a picture, I think it was some time ago. It's like, That's why she's so dangerous. Well, this is the thing. So, obviously, nobody who would vote for Pauline Hanson is listening to this podcast. But if you know anyone like that, like, like, get them to watch that clip. Get them to watch... Like, this is somebody who is going to have a vote. Like, this isn't a joke. She's got a... She's... Her party get to decide what happens to the rest of us. Yep. And if you're voting for Pauline Hanson, you are voting for an idiot. You're voting for somebody who 
doesn't have the faintest idea what they're doing and will do stupid things. Now, sure, if you're a right-wing racist xenophobe idiot who thinks the biggest threat to the country are Muslims and foreigners, sure, a big chunk of what she... The idiotic ideas she actually puts into policy Mm. or votes for will be compatible with your idiotic xenophobic bullshit. Yep. On the other hand, you can probably get the same result just by voting for the libs. But she's going to also get in things that will harm you because she doesn't know what she's doing. She's an Mm. idiot. All she stands for is hurting the people that she hates and giving stuff to people who tick a box in her head as being people who she should be sympathetic to. Mm. This is not uh, a party that's interested in what will help you or thinking through things that will help you in the long run. Like, I don't... I can't understand how you could listen to that and go, oh, well, I'll vote for her anyway. Because people who have already bought into that have bought firmly into it and will get defensive. And so we'll go, oh, well, she was being attacked. Oh, so she didn't remember. Um, Andrew Bolt. Like, yeah. Oh, no, I get that. That's a friend. Like, it's a, it's a most friend. In fact, here, here she is. Check, check out this list of people that um, Pauline Hansen wants to praise. I don't hold all media with this contempt and you know whether you've given me a fair go or not. You don't have to agree with my policies or my presentation to give me a fair go. It's at this point I must congratulate Andrew Bolt for seeing through the spin and propaganda Al Jazeera and the ABC have aired. Alan Jones who stood by me when I was imprisoned in 2003 and has to this day continued to give me a fair go. Paul Murray has always been there to offer me a platform unlike so many others. Others too have been generous with their time. They include Laurie Atlas and Aaron Stevens on 4RO, John McKenzie at 4CAFM, Perco at 4MKFM, Dubbo, who does the country show on Triple M in Brisbane, Wildy on Power 100 in Townsville, Claire M. Armstrong, who's left Townsville and gone to the Sydney Morning Herald, Carl Sanderlands at Kiss FM, and Brett Bultitude at 2HD. Michael McKenna from the Australian. He has been reasonable, and so, too, has Renee Valeros from the Australian, from the Kurumal, I should say. Both have given me a fair go. There are many more in regional and rural areas across this country, and I thank you. So did did she say Perco? Uh, she did, but my last name is Pirco. Okay. Are you sure that Pauline isn't just mis- mispronouncing it? Pauline is not just thanking me for anything. Thank you very much. She is, however, thanking Kyle Sanderlands, which any list that includes him as a thank you is uh, pretty terrifying. Any list, anyone on the list of people that Pauline thinks have given her a reasonable hearing, yeah. like, what a list of shame. Like, what? everyone on that list should... I, the, the fact that there hasn't been a list of people coming out, all the people that mentioned on that going, I've done something terribly wrong. I'm so sorry, Australia. Uh, I, I don't... I, we, we will turn over a new leaf. I'm so sorry. We didn't realise that we were actually, you know, promoting Pauline to the extent that she would actually thank us. Yes. And to her, it seems that a fair go means... uh, Not calling out her bullshit? Yeah, and her complete support. Well, I mean... Well, pretty... I'm sure sure sometimes they ask her some questions, but basically the thing that that the media do that gives One Nation, that basically promotes One Nation, is they they give them an airing as if their stupid xenophobia and their moronic half by stupidity... um, is equivalent to 
Well, they they put them up there with uh, big party politicians, mm. basically pretending that they're sort of equivalents. Uh, they don't even they don't even give the Greens a platform at all. No. But they they basically this is a party that there you are this week questioning bloody Port Arthur. Like of all of the things that you know Australia is not has reached a consensus on. We we have more consensus on Port Arthur than we do on bloody climate change. True. So as a result of that, which is like getting to the point of, of so hard to defend for even the Liberal Party. Finally, One Nation had had a go at something that the Libs have actually you know, are proud of, which is that, that Howard actually did something about the gun laws yes. at last. Uh, yeah, so, that, he, that he reacted to that and what he did after that was considered this like thing of pride for the Liberal Party for so long. That Scott Morrison didn't bring that up during his interview with uh, Waleed was really surprising because, you know, he was talking about Jacinda Ardern and all the things that she's done that he didn't come back with, well, look what we did. We did the same thing and... Uh, the Liberal Party vice president tried that on Q&A. It didn't go brilliantly for her. Incredibly impressed with what Jacinda Ardern did, and I really hope that more politicians around the world take a cue from her, and I don't think we it's even about years. gender. The Liberal Party did that years ago with of John Of course Howard. you did. Yeah. That's Tina McQueen, who is the Liberal Party vice president on Q&A. We'll, we'll get some more of her embarrassing train wreck in a minute. Um, I don't have the audio at this point of what they came back with. So she's right. Like, the Liberals did, in fact, do that, and New Zealand should have done it at the time 20 years ago, and possibly yeah. 50 people wouldn't have been killed as a result. Um, but Tony Burke on the panel then came back to uh, McQueen and said, well, okay, but the other thing John Howard did was he put One Nation last. Um, why don't you follow John Howard's lead in that one and do that? Yes. And she tried to deflect that one. Well, it seems like it was a week where nobody could commit to uh, preferencing One Nation last, at least for a while, because Scott Morrison did the exact same thing, wouldn't commit to that, kept trying to say that, well, that's a decision that's made by each party in each area, and, and well, maybe I don't like them, you know, that's that's not up for me. I, I can't give that guidance. I can't tell people what to do. And please don't anybody pay attention to the fact that I've just been using my weight as a prime minister to uh, force pre-selections to go the way that I want and so forth throughout the but yeah I clearly can get the party to do stuff when I want them to exactly like I will absolutely respect what local parties do except when what local branches do except when I want them to do something else obviously the problem for the libs uh with making an actual decision about this is because they don't actually want to lose one nation they they want they want to work with one nation because fundamentally I don't really disagree with one nation like the John Howard strategy with one nation was preference them last but adopt their policies. Yes. This is McQueen again, basically declaring how close the Libs are with One Nation. Labor does not want us to have preferences with anyone. They want us out by ourselves. And the reality is there's different seats that make up uh, the Liberal Party. And for us to form government, state or federal, we have to, in particular, seats, Dobella, for example. We would, uh, you could see what happened. Karen McNamara lost her seat because uh, Turnbull refused to do any sort of deal with, with One Nation. It's crazy. The reality is we do, in, in a lot of seats, we have to do some sort of deal with One Nation. Which you wouldn't do if they were, if you recognised how evil they were, but you would do if you thought that they were not really that bad. And it's one of those things what cost like what is the cost of that like well, we need the seeds because we need government and the cost of that is giving one nation the balance of power giving them you know a whole bunch of preferences like that's terrifying but if but if that that's terrifying to us um it would be terrifying to anyone who was opposed to what one nation stands for and the fact that it's not that terrifying to the libs reveals that it's not that 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 they're not that terrified that in fact, he's turning up it out here, being even clearer about it. I'm only going to state 
general principles because in the end uh, preference decisions are quite rightly a matter for the lay party uh, but I think that uh, you should um, preference in the order of people's capacity to make a constructive contribution to our national life uh, and based on the current record uh, I would put the Greens last I would put Labor second last, yeah, yeah. then I would put uh, constructive independents and minor parties, and then I would put the coalition and its allies first. That would be what I would state as a one matter of general above principle. Above I would certainly put One Nation above uh, Labor and the Greens because, let's face it, uh, we have been able to work constructively in the Senate with One Nation. We would not have been able to pass any legislation in this current parliament but for the constructive work of Pauline Hanson uh, and her team of senators. And I think it's only right and proper uh, that uh, good and constructive conduct should be rewarded. Wow. That's the, the, to them, like, it makes perfect sense, as long as you are uh, prepared to say, we actually don't mind One Nation that much, no matter how much uh, harmful shit they do, uh, because that harmful shit that outrages so many Australians actually doesn't outrage us, which they can do, just is really revealing about who they are as people. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that the Liberals definitely should put One Nation last if that's who they are. They should, If they want to bind themselves to One Nation, they want to say, yeah, no, we really are as much dickheads as One Nation and we don't, we that are, stuff doesn't bother us. We are that hateful and we are that horrible, yeah. But they are saying that. And even now that Morrison has come out and said, all right, we're going to put Labor above One Nation, so not the Greens, just Labor, the Libs have made, and, and what happens in Queensland, God knows, because uh, he said the Liberals will put Labor above the One Nation. He hasn't said anything about the Nationals. The Nationals certainly haven't bound, committed to doing that. And in Queensland, it's the LNP. So what will happen there is, the, is that, does that bind them? That's very, it's very, very interesting, vague. yeah. But fundamentally, the Libs have very specifically not said that they will put the Greens above One Nation. They have, uh, in fact, unleashed well, a war on the Greens this week. And, well, and the Greens are dangerous. Well, that's the thing. So, um, the Greens will come into your house. Do you, do you want to have a bit of a take away your waste and, and do proper recycling and, and suggest that you install solar panels? But they and, might they might sort of move Australia Day to a day that's not so insulting to Indigenous people. They might uh, stop us brutally mistreating refugees in order to bully other refugees to staying in danger. How dare you suggest those things? They might want to undo some of the tax cuts that have uh, been a feature of Australian politics since uh, what Howard and Costello. They might bring us back. I mean, imagine next if we... you'll tell me that they'll like put New Start up to a point that people can actually survive and live on. It, that they'll put a social safety yeah. net in that's actually a safety net. They'll, they'll restore you know, Medicare properly. They'll, they'll restore public funding oh, for God. health and education. You know, they're clearly much, much more dangerous because this, some of this will be, oh, death taxes. Mm. Oh, and, and by the way, if anybody wants to pretend that the ABC is in any way some kind of lefty organisation at this point, uh, check out Patricia Carvelis talking to uh, Larissa Waters from the Greens. Larissa, welcome. Hi, Patricia. Good to be with you. Let's just cross-examine this notion of, of the Greens as a radical party. One of the policy examples that's been raised, and it was raised yesterday by the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is that you support death taxes, which he says is a very radical idea that he doesn't support. Will you be taking death taxes as a policy platform to the election? Death 
taxes. Sorry, she's talking about an inheritance tax, something which is a fundamental, long-standing, basic part of many, many countries around the world. This is not some kind of weird, radical idea that the Greens have just pulled out of their asses. This is a, like, inheritance taxes. We tax labour. We tax um, tr- commerce. We tax, like, we tax money as it goes around the economy. Mm. Inheritances are... It's not a de- they're not paid by the dead person. It's not a death tax. An inheritance tax is paid by the person who's receiving a lump sum. And by the way, the Greens were talking about inheritances above $5 million. Wow. So, so let's be really clear. Whenever we talk about death taxes, it's a really misleading way of describing... You're not talking about $20,000 you get when your grandfather passes away. You're talking a massive amount of money going to a small percentage of people. Yeah. Look, there's an argument for de- for inheritance taxes. God, you got me saying it. For, for inheritance taxes generally, because if you're going to track... If you, you, an ordinary person goes out and works a 40-hour week. They pay tax on that work. Mm. But for some reason, if somebody gets gift from a dead person, an inheritance, money that they haven't earned... We're supposed to go. Oh no, that better not be taxed. That's 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 sacrosanct. We can't. That trans- money coming in should be taxed nothing compared, you know, as opposed to labour. Like if you're if you arguing, win, if that, you win a lottery, you get taxed. Yeah, and the thing, the argument against taxing things is that it disincentivizes that behaviour. So, well, what's the? I have, so the argument against taxing labour is well, if you tax it too much, then people won't want to go out and work. What's the argument against taxing inheritances? That people are going to go. Oh well. I just guess I won't take that free money that I didn't earn if I have to pay some tax on it. Uh-huh. Like, what? Of course people, even taxed people will happily take it. Yes. Like, it makes no sense. But as it is, as you say, they are focusing on a small percentage, a large amount that goes to a very small percentage of yeah. people, and that could make a big difference in budgets. How mad is it that the rich have managed to persuade the bloody ABC that taxing really large transfers of wealth from one rich person to their offspring, that that is radical and beyond the pale and extreme, so much so that it's much worse than you know, xenophobia or anything from one nation. Oh, Jeremy, have I told you about the retiree tax? <laughs> anyway, yes. God almighty. I, I, haven't, I haven't checked whether Patricia Cavellis is calling that, calling the ending of cash payouts to people who have shares and don't pay tax... Whether she's now calling that a tax, I mean, please tell me that Patricia Cavellis is not doing that. Um, Patricia Cavellis, if you listen back to a couple of episodes ago, oh, probably about, what, four or five months ago, um, we had the audio where she was saying that um, government ministers often tell her things uh, off the record, and then they announce things contrary to that. They say things in public that she knows are not true. And, you know, it's a bit of an ethical thing for her, you know, whether whether she should uh, reveal that she knows that they're lying because they've told her stuff. And I'm like, yes, you bloody should. You're a journalist. Why are you covering up their lies? Well, because then they'll stop telling me things. Great! You won't get... They won't get... Be able to use you as a... Why are you... You're not a sounding board. You're not you're a reporting them. You're not a therapist. But that's the other thing. Like, if you're not reporting them anyway, then what's the point of them telling them to you? Ah. Uh, um, unfortunately, uh, under this assault, the Greens sort of backed down a little bit, which is a bit disappointing. This is this is Larissa Waters' response. Well, look, we won't, actually, Patricia. So I think the Prime Minister is trying on the de- dead cat strategy there. Of Anyway, Larissa, don't back down on that stuff. Um, most Australians... Like, isn't the correct response to um, somebody like Cabellus calling it a death tax to simply say, no, we're talking about an inheritance tax on really rich estates of $5 million or more. Like, who is listening to that who would potentially vote green? Who's going to go? Oh no! Oh well, I don't support that. Like, be upfront about it. Don't yep. don't cower at this and call her on it. To turn around to Cavellus and say, 
an inheritance tax. It's not a death tax. It's paid by people who haven't earned the money. Absolutely. It's it's you need to reframe the conversation. Well, we'll give it a more accurate term if you're going to get this sort of shit from the ABC. But that's what I mean. Promoting the government's bullshit lines. Yes, that's what I mean. You don't buy into their um, their misnaming it. You don't buy into that. So this is. I'm going to play you now a couple of grabs of. Basically, Sky and well, like everything from News Limited, but also the commercial media, basically spent the week trying to put up talking heads from everyone from you know tedious old Liberal Party figures like Bronwyn Bishop through to tedious people from the IPA through to other, otherwise complete lunatics who I've never even heard of, but again, mm. to get a, a math a time slot on Sky to spout bullshit about the Greens. So, look, hey, uh, Greens voters, sit back and just enjoy this little little... Uh, montage of finally the conservative media actually promoting actual Greens ideas by actually describing some of them occasionally. I mean, yeah, bullshitting about them too, like people out there saying they want no mining. Well, no, they don't ever say that. But anyway, look, only one thing worse than uh, being talked about and that's not being talked about. So here are the Greens being talked about. Bronwyn Bishop. And and, and yet we are not looking at, at the plight of the Greens which Labor takes all the time, and the Greens are a disgusting party. They are a party of anti-Semites and anti-Semitism. They are people who put up with... who want to destroy the country. They don't believe... They do not believe in the nation-state. They believe in open borders. They want to be part of world government. They don't love Australia, and they are anti-Australian people. And yet the Labor Party happily takes their uh, votes, and nothing is said. So, Nicola... By the way, anti-Semites just means you're critical of the state of Israel, which, as we talked about last yes. week, is not what anti-Semitism or means. Or possibly even pro-Palestine, yes. Uh, here is Simon Birmingham, who's supposedly a liberal moderate. And yet Bill Shorten seems to think it's OK to do preference deals with the Australian Greens. Well, Scott Morrison has shown leadership in saying that those who are the parties of government, those who claim to try to occupy the centre of politics, whatever our policy differences, uh, ought to make sure that those who have policies that are of the extreme, whether it's of the extreme right or the extreme left, are not worthy uh, of immediate preferencing. Uh, and Bill Short, in order to take that lead, ensure he protects Australia's defence interests, our national security interests and our economic interests by ensuring he preferences the Liberal Party ahead of the Greens rather than Labor doing another dirty preference deal with the Greens in the future. It's not dirty just because they do a preference deal with a party, a progressive party. Yes. Well, that's more progressive than Labour, so it must be dirty. Here's Daniel Wilde from the IPA, also on Sky. This is like, it's all Sky. We know, uh, for example, uh, electricity prices have been going up 120% over the last decade as, as renewables have come onto the market from about you know 2 or 3% to around 20% that they are today. And that's what's driven up prices. That's what's driven uh, down business investment, which is currently lower than what it was during uh, the hostile, uh, economically hostile Whitlam years. So this is uh, very reckless uh, policy. And I want to know where, where the Labor Party is on this. Why hasn't anyone come out from Labor and said that uh, the Greens are extreme, that the Greens are a threat to Australian prosperity, that the Greens are a threat uh, to the Australian way of life and put the Greens last? Uh, that's what I would like to see. We're talking about how extreme one nation is, and they are extreme on a number of things, but I think the Greens are much more extreme and a much uh, bigger threat uh, to the Australian way of life. I don't think he understands the word extreme. Uh, I think he's redefining the Australian way of life as the interests of really rich people. Ah. Uh, and the Greens probably are a bigger threat to the interests of really rich people than one nation. But uh, Rich white men? Yeah, the renewable energy crap that he put in there where he tried to blame oh, energy prices on that, uh, that's just a dumb lie, and the IPA can push it all they like, but it's just... The, 
the facts do not support that. The, the energy prices are not increasing in line with renewable usage. In fact, renewables are becoming are, are cheaper than yes, the coal they that they desperately want us to use. So the IPA is just lying about that. And look, I'll, I'll end with this weird one from Sky. So I don't even know who this woman is, but she's got a blue tick, but I've never heard of it before. So here's her deranged opinion about the Greens that apparently is worthy of broadcast. I don't understand what parallel universe these people are living in. My views on the Greens are well documented, but today I want to add these people are like, you know, they're drunk on their own... I was going to say, I will say, drunk on their own urine, Shari. These people are absolutely... But if you think about it, what Daniel said is quite true. They're extreme. If you look at Western Australia, the front page on today's front page story in today's West Australian about thousands upon thousands of job losses that would occur if renewable targets like that were enacted. They they are economically reckless. They are so ideologically driven that they don't care about the practical impacts of these policy because they are all based on feelings and absolutely nothing like, nothing else. And that if that's not dangerous, I don't know what else is. I actually think their environmental policies are based on science. Yes. These people are living in... Like, <laughs> Can you get drunk on urine? Well, is that see, even possible? If, if being drunk on your own urine is like symbolism for being in a closed loop of just of not taking it outside, uh, in the case of urine uh, liquids, uh, but in the case of you know, metaphorically ideas, the- this person, like for her to think that the renewable energy target is going to kill jobs rather than create, well, there's, the number of jobs that would be created in the renewable energy sector uh, would far outstrip the jobs that would be lost, and in any case, far outstrip the jobs that would be lost uh, if climate change is allowed to just continue unchecked. Without any action. Every job. Yeah, well, I mean, these... That is actually the second politician in the recent weeks who's, like, or the second person politically who's mentioned urine, the other one being the president of Brazil. Oh, I don't want to talk about his weird... The <laughs> anyway. Bolsonaro's weird thing about Mardi Gras or whatever. Anyway, anyway. Just, just random. Uh, Putting it out there. You can tell how much of a closed loop, uh, sort of a... Oh, Sorry. Warning, uh, if you have children, toddlers in the room, I'm about to say a word that will uh, cause problems, so just cover their ears, because uh, I'm about to use the word um, a bubble. Uh, Sky News is definitely taking place in a bubble, um, and the fact that, that they can... Like, you can only say shit like that, that, oh, they're just operating on feelings, and they don't care about facts, and here's something I read on the front page of a commercial newspaper, and therefore it must be true. You know, the claims about job losses, oh, well, that's just a fact that the Greens obviously don't care about those jobs. No, I think they would argue, we do care about job losses, we just think that this policy will create more jobs and counter it. Like, it's not... But it's also that... The environment is something that we only have one of. We can't destroy it. We have a backup planet. No, sorry, we can destroy it. We are in the process of destroying it. Like, we have definitely... That is definitely a capability that we have and are exercising. We shouldn't destroy it. My, my point is that everything in that, 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 that grab that you heard, you couldn't say it if somebody from the Greens was there and able to respond. Because they'd no. be like, hang on, no, we don't think that. What are you talking about? Like, this... It's the same as the way they talk about Muslims or uh, in the marriage equality service, the way they talk about gay people, the way they talk about refugees. Like, it's like these people don't know anyone from the people that they, groups that they're talking about. Well, they probably they, don't. Well, that's right. But because, or they know the one person, the one person who will agree with them. I don't think they know anybody from the Greens who will agree with them. Okay. I don't, well, that's true. Like, this is an example. Like, okay, we are, we are clearly a podcast that doesn't have a lot of conservatives on it. So uh, we are also a bubble. 
Um, although I feel that we're surrounded by a lot more conservatives and, you know, it's not like you can turn on the commercial media and, or in fact, nowadays, even the ABC are not hear the other side. Like we hear plenty from the conservative side and we play you audio from the conservative side. Like we do actually hear it. So there is a bit of the other side on here, even though, you know, I'm yet to find somebody of the conservative bench who's happy to sit down and, and do a podcast with us. But I think on Sky... I don't think they've ever listened to anybody from the Greens, let alone talk to one of them. Probably not. They but, might catch something. Like, Bronwyn Bishop thinks that they're, they, what are what? They're fifth columnists and literally want to destroy the country. The Oz had a big campaign about them this week and they're like, they want to decriminalise drugs. Yes, because they wanted to treat them as a health problem, which would be, all the evidence indicates, would be a vastly preferable outcome. Um, that they want to, what is it, the renewable energy target? To, yeah. And that that's going to destroy the country? No, they want the renewable energy target, but the, your claim that it'll destroy the country is really dubious. Um, everything they claim about them is, oh, they, they also want to destroy uh, Australia by getting rid of the US alliance. I don't know why I'd be so confident that the US alliance would save us, given that Trump's busy tearing apart NATO. Yeah. Like, how much can we as a country really rely on the US at this point? Well, I think you can rely on the US even if he wasn't tearing apart NATO. He's not hes not a good partner right now. Look, I, I get that the rationale behind things like Pine Gap is that if the US have actual bases on our, on our, on our soil, um, the you know, Australians can't access. Like, I love that the same people who are talking about this are the same people who are like, you know, the Greens don't respect our sovereignty. But they, but we're definitely in favour of uh, having military bases from the US, another country where Australians don't actually have access. Yeah. Like, you know, we really care about our sovereignty, but we don't mind when the Australian government, in order to um, try to avoid the courts having oversight of refugees, actually excises parts of Australia from our own migration zone. Like, we, we're really worried about sovereignty, but we're happy to give those things away where it's convenient. So basically, you're saying that they're being covered, but they're actually being covered as much as they're trying to be demonised. They are saying things that are truthful about them. Some of them are. Like, yes. bullshit like they want to get rid of all mining or something is yeah. crap. Like, they, they go off the deep end and, and just lie. And keep in mind, just to remind people listening to this, uh, if you Google uh, the Australian uh, Greens and the word destroy or something, you'll find a link back to when the, there's plenty of uh, examples of the Australian um, being incredibly hostile to the Greens, but um, they've also quite clearly stated before that they want to see the Greens destroyed, like in those words. So anytime you see the Oz say anything about the Greens, remember that you're reading it from a, a propaganda rag that specifically wants the Greens destroyed. Two days ago, Greens' plan to save world would destroy Australia. Oh, yeah, and they've, they've renewed it. So uh, one of the early links will be um, us when we went pure poison at Crikey um, and quoting the, the Oz when they... I think they put an editorial out there saying that we're quite proud that we wanted to 2016 from uh, the Daily Telegraph. Greens are out of touch and rotten to the core. Yeah. Um, and Paul Kelly, who's suppo- who the Oz likes to pretend is some kind of a you know respectable sage, wrote another bullshit article misrepresenting the Greens again and why why they're no, no better than one nation. So, yeah, so fundamentally where we leave all of this... Uh, I don't think it's a bad thing for the Greens that they are finally getting a bit of attention and that the only way they're ever going to get attention because they are literally the only party out there, um, apart from even small parties like, I suppose, the Socialist Alternative or something. But um, they're the only big party out there that actually is committed to pushing the balance back to the progressive side, much more so than the ALP. Uh, and that's why the commercial media and particularly the, the right-wing commercial media do view them as the biggest threat. Because, yeah, to their interests, they really are. But to the rest of us, no. Like, 
the commercial media can't distinguish between their interests and the interests of their readers. But I would argue that the interests of their readers are definitely served by the Greens being uh, getting more seats. Um, in fact, Paul Kelly, one of the things he was arguing was that, that the Greens want proportional representation and that, and that would that would lead to chaos. Like, he's arguing that effectively it's a feature of the system that the Greens get, what, 13% of the vote and yeah. less than 1% of the seats. And that that's, you know, we we, hear, we champion democracy, but we don't, don't want democracy to the point where the parties that we don't like get, you know, seats commensurate with their support. That would just be wrong. Well, it would certainly be uh, contrary to our interests. As, as the powerful people on the right. That is true. So, yeah, I'm glad that the Greens are getting, you know, it's, that's the only coverage they're ever going to get from these people. Like, I don't know where you'd have to go to get decent coverage from the Greens. Probably the, the Guardian will give them a fair shot. Sometimes, even that, you don't always get a lot. I, I'm Like, yeah. you do get some, they're not, but yeah. They're, the Guardian are not, like, rusted on Greens supporters by any means, but I, I think that given that the Guardian are a bit more fact-based in terms of things like refugees and they stuff, do they, give them they some... tend to err more on the side of the Greens yes. than other, other media outlets. And that's where we are at the end of this chaotic week coming up to the budget. We have the uh, Libs trying to draw a false equivalence between One Nation and the Greens. Yep. They seem to be able to get away with it as far as the media is concerned. I don't think they're actually persuading many voters that the One Nation not. and the Greens are equivalent. I think that the Greens just haven't done enough to back up the well, lies I think that they're that, spreading? I think the people who would already be convinced of that will just be more convinced. So there are going to be some voters who already think that the Greens are this extreme, crazy, left-wing party, and that people, they will continue to buy into that. But I don't know that they're going to convince anyone new of it. I think I think their main hope was that they would scare Labour into doing that. Because mm. Labour is often very hostile to the Greens and, and does a whole lot of said a whole lot of misleading well, shit about them. Labour and Greens have that weird thing where because Labour is such a centrist party and isn't actually where it should be progressive, um, and the Greens are progressive, Labour like whines and complains about the Greens stealing our votes. Yeah, because Labour thinks that they, they own progressive it. votes whether or not they actually represent us or not. Yes. <laughs> They're like, but we're not as bad as the Libs, so you owe us your votes. Oh, yeah. We parties, we're a party of government. You have to vote for one of us. No, we don't. Yeah. But yeah, I think I've been uh, reassured a bit to see people like uh, Doug Cameron and Penny Wong, who are often pretty nasty about the Greens, but coming out and saying, no, that's bullshit. Like, don't even, don't even try this. No. They say they're the equivalent to One Nation. No, they're bloody not. Yeah, that's a step too far. Yeah. So that's been reassuring. Um, so we are now going to disappear for a week. Uh, thank you, Denise, for coming back to do the podcast. Always. Thank you, everybody, for having another listen, and we will try and get this edited and up as quickly as possible. And hopefully the next episode you hear will, in fact, be a three-person discussion rather than a two-person discussion uh, and involving some people who have a sort of specific expertise in relation to the topics that we're going to be discussing uh, in that episode. So that's something to look forward to. Hopefully we'll be able I'm to looking get, forward to it. Hopefully we'll be able to get it to you either on the weekend or early next week. In the meantime, I hope you have a lovely week. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, Alex Lund, for the artwork. Thank you, Robin Gray, for the music. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you again to the Patreon subscribers that I just thanked because you are how the podcast keeps going. Thank you, all of you. The podcast depends on you, so thank you very much for all your support. And we'll see you all next week. See you next week. See you next week.